Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey to the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. Hi! Hello! Welcome to the Baltic it's cold it's i think maybe get... by the time this episode is released it might be spring i don't know <laughs> i think today we get to the dizzying heights of minus one uh so i'm excited for that actually i do have big news i got an electric blanket this week <gasps> and honestly i think it's the best thing that has ever happened to me wow so good. i'm envious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the only thing i would want more than an electric blanket is a weighted blanket. I reckon if you put the two together, then that might actually be what it's like in heaven. Oh. Um, but yeah, this is so it's in the evening, it's like five o'clock and I'm like, can I get into bed now? My question so, is, why did you get out of bed in the first place to have to ask if you could go back? Literally, the only reason I get out of bed, and I'm not exaggerating here, but the only reason I get out of bed is to feed the kids, because mm. if I don't, they will break down the doors to find out what's wrong with me and where I am. <laughs> so, Fair enough. That is legitimately the only reason. If they didn't exist, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Or I might. It yeah. just might be like from a electric blanket duvet cocoon. Cocoon. That's mm. probably really good for audio. So consider it next time. <laughs> <laughs> My news, uh, as I promised on the last episode, mm-hmm. is that I got my DNA results back. <laughs> yep. Are you human? 96% human. That's, um, pretty, that's pretty decent. Which is higher than expected. Yeah, I, I'm way lower than that. I must be. <laughs> it, yeah, it feels like it these days. So <laughs> there... There weren't any big surprises. There were small surprises. Um, I'm very white, which was not uh-huh, a surprise. Uh-huh. That's, I, I'm looking at you now and I'm thinking, surely, no. <laughs> surely there's some, like I said last time, like I hoped I was related to that Nigerian prince. Yeah. That keeps emailing, but sadly Poor not guy. the case. Yeah. So very European, mm-hmm. very British, English, mm-hmm. uh, specifically central southern England. So I'm 52% England and northwestern Europe. The region of northwestern Europe is allegedly Denmark, which is no idea that, that was a thing. Big I'm tw- fan of Denmark. And I'm excited to say, especially considering our recent spate of guests from <laughs> this place, I am 20% Scottish. Well, there you go. Which I am delighted about because I love Scotland. It's one of my favorite accents that's ever accented as you know because every time we've had a guest on I'm like ah. um oh my god this means I'm like Shirley Manson and I are basically related. Uh-huh yeah, sisters. This is my dream. Um yeah, I didn't expect it. No idea where that's come from cuz uh, I know nothing about any Scottish history in my family, so that's exciting. Uh Gail thinks it might be her dad's side. Because he is a mystery character. Um, the Scots normally are. <laughs> he he just fucked off when he found out my grandma was pregnant. Not that that's the a Scottish Scots thing. normally are. <laughs> <laughs> but because of that, we don't know his history. And his name uh, is and or was uh, John Smith. So I will never find him. Hey, John Smith, if you're out there and Dear once sired, <laughs> sired a child in Toronto, Canada if in 1960-something. Yeah. <laughs> Any John Smith. He might be my granddad. Um, but yeah, so that could be that because there's nothing that any of the family that I know of uh, have ever said about being Scottish. That's exciting. Uh, other than that, uh, 13% Germanic Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 8% Norwegian, 3% Swedish, 2% Eastern Europe and Russia, which I was surprised by. I thought I'd be way more Eastern European because I heard that I was Polish, but clearly not very. Uh, and 2% the Baltics. But yeah, so that's my exciting news. Cool. 20% Scottish. I can't wait. I've got to figure out how to find. Now, of course, I've I've signed up for the Ancestry 
mm-hmm. uh, membership on this top of the This is how they drill you in. Yeah. They're like, yeah. cool, here's some percentages, but don't you want to know more? Yeah. Pay this much a month for What does results. it all mean? Yeah. So I got to find this Scottish side that I, I don't know how, but uh, I just want to know what my tartan is. <laughs> that's That's my end goal here. I'm like, when I went to Scotland, I was like, I wish I had a tartan. Now I actually legitimately can have one according to my blood i just mm-hmm. gotta figure out which style mm-hmm. i hope it's mcqueen of, i hope it's mcqueen <laughs> can i please be related to lee mcqueen that's all i want <laughs> anyway that's my ramble for this episode i Ooh. hope you are all very excited about this news i know since the last episode you must have been waiting bated, wondering bated breath hoping dreaming <laughs> And now you know. Now you know. I have nothing to tease for the next episode, so we'll just have to hope something I, happens between now and then. I, I might take the electric blanket off if it gets warmer. <gasps> this this Ooh. this is probably going to be the journey of my next six months. Blanket news. Blanket blanket <laughs> news. <laughs> Moving on from <laughs> that wonderful, interesting, and inspiring conversation. Um, should we jump talk into about the book? The book. Should we do our job? <laughs> should we do should we do something that's more interesting, otherwise known as not talk about ourselves because in current climate so dull. Listen, so... people love this. This is the best part. Oh, God. Except for that author that which author? Oh that... that guy that was like, Who are these rambling women? Yeah. Which I think it, he was it was postcards from no men's postcards from no man's land. Oh yeah. Uh Joe sent an email to the author and he actually listened Aiden Chambers that's his name and he sent her back a reply saying like he really enjoyed it but he, he thought we talked too much in the beginning yeah. about book unbook related things so I was so excited that our first author had actually listened um and then heartbroken that he thinks we're idiots we, but that's we are fine. we are fair. yeah, to yeah. Be fair. even even more so now after a year of not using my brain and yeah. like Christ knows what's going on in this skull. We're an acquired taste. <laughs> Ugh, so All right. you, you're first. Okay. So who wrote the book? I got this. I got this. So today's author is Meg Rossoff, who grew up in a suburb of Boston and moved to London in 1989. She spent 15 years working in advertising before writing her first novel, which is today's book, How I Live Now, which has sold more than a million copies in 36 territories. It won the Guardian Children's Prize and the Prince Award in the US and was made into a film. Her subsequent eight novels have been awarded or shortlisted for, among others, the Carnegie Medal and the National Book Award. Her latest book is The Great Godden. Meg lives in London with her husband and two dogs. Yay! Dogs. So, yes, uh, you, you gave it away, but today's book is How I Live Now. And I shall tell you the synopsis of said book. 15-year-old New Yorker Daisy is sent to England to spend a summer with her unconventional cousins, Isaac, Edmund, Osbert, and Piper, plus their two dogs and a goat, in a rambling English country house. So far, so perfect. But the shadow of war hangs over this idyllic existence, eventually breaking in with great force and throwing everything into chaos. As Beck mentioned, it's the winner of the 2004 Guardian Children's Fiction Prize, and shortlisted for the 2005 Book Trust Teenage Prize, this is a powerful exploration of the universal themes of love and war. And that synopsis comes from booktrust.org.uk. Shall I I tell the dear people about today's guest? Yes. Whom is she or he? (laughs) Today's guest is Ashling. She's a French and international relations student at the University of Leeds, currently living at home near Manchester and doing her French classes online. Bonjour. She loves cats, running, yoga, and unsurprisingly, reading. We're going to get on really well, minus the running and yoga. But cats and reading, I I, I am there. So the first question we've been asking everyone these days is how has this wonderful pandemic we're having affected your reading specifically we don't need to go into life because i know that's a whole other can of worms and a whole different podcast but how has it impacted your reading um i mean i say that it actually changed my reading for the better because at the start of the first lockdown last year i just i had just loads of books that i hadn't 
read and then I ordered some online. Um, and all I did every day was just read. Like, it was great. <laughs> I could spend like three hours at a time just sat in the conservatory. Um, just reading books I wanted to read for so long and just never had the time. Um, and then from there, it just I kind of just started taking it really seriously. Like, I take my good reads so seriously. Like, trying to do my reading challenge and having like a really long reading list of books I want to read. Um, so in that sense, it's kind of, it has been the one thing that's been keeping me going, which is good. Oh, I think really you're jealous. the first person to say that oh, really? the pandemic has been beneficial. That's like my reading. goal. That's what I, I hope. I feel like everyone else for. has found it struggled to focus. And uh, yeah, everyone was like, well, I've got loads of time. I'll read loads of books. But so far, everyone we've spoken to found just oh. it really hard to sit and focus on I'm reading. so jealous yeah. of you. My, my <laughs> reading went from like, 10 books a second to no books an hour like I just I didn't I didn't think I read a single book for like three months oh. I just couldn't sit and focus. because I just feel like it was the opposite because when I was at uni I just never I mean everything that I read would be journal articles online or when I have to read even if I didn't want to so that always made me feel like I didn't I didn't have time to read for pleasure and I think from like summer 2019 until lockdown I think I read like two books in all those months and then lockdown happened and I was like I'm gonna read 20 books during quarantine <laughs> oh I love I, I like honestly that's what I yeah, hoped for that was and my aspiration I read I, the other it's, way. I'm failing miserably at it that's why I'm like we should really get season three back because then I like have to I have to read and I have to read fast and I have to read good books yeah and so hopefully it's it's picking back up a bit, but like I started so strong last year and then it just went. Yeah. Like yeah. I I didn't make my challenge, did I? Did I? No. I don't uh, think no. I did. You but only by a couple. Yeah. But then I, was I only got mine because I had read like all fifty books between January and March last year and then I just <laughs> didn't read anything else. Yeah, you got lucky. You like I just like lucked out and squeezed them in at the beginning. This year I'm I'm doing better I'm like reading a book a week again but I definitely I just couldn't sit and yeah. focus for long enough to get through a book yeah. especially the first lockdown I think was particularly hard because also it was over the summer as well and it was just I just found it hard to sit and yeah. read books <laughs> um but I th- that seems to have been quite a common thread for people I think I do think you're the first person that's actually so found lucky. it beneficial so you, so, so you well said, well done for doing it right. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> now we feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like we. You should probably host it. this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> was, but I feel like everyone does go through phases with reading because before I think I started uni, I was just kind of like a consistent reader. I never managed to get through loads because I'm mainly a non-fiction reader, and um, but because of that, it you find it hard to get hooked to like the plot because you're having to read a lot of information. Then when I started uni, like, my reading went, like, I felt like I shouldn't be a student because I wasn't actually reading things. Like, I didn't want to, like, do the extra reading. I was just like, I'm just so done with this. I just can't read words anymore. (laughs) Well, having done uh, two degrees in reading, I can say that I also, like, my least favourite period of reading in my life was when I was at uni. So I think it's just, you know... Because the way that you're reading is so different. It's so, you have to look at text and everything in such a different way that you don't actually specifically want to read necessarily. It's more that you have to read. Yeah. Um, So you take your good read seriously. I appreciate this. Uh, So that brings up a whole load of questions for me anyway. So what is your reading challenge this year? What's your goal? Uh, I think I said 32 books. Because I did, I managed to read 30 last year, which is the highest I've probably ever read in a year. Welcome to the podcast, um, Ashley. Because before that, I don't know, I think I'm quite a slow reader. Because people, I'm like, how do you manage to read 50 books in a year? I couldn't think I'd ever do that. Ask Beck. Just kind of like... Yeah. Some people wow. are really quick readers, aren't they? And I just, especially again with nonfiction, I'm always going back and being like, I just don't remember anything that I've just read. I don't think I took <laughs> anything in. <laughs> yeah, I, I have struggle... lined up. So the next one is like in my hand, ready when I'm on the last chapter. Of the it's like chain smoking, like, but 
That, that is, to be fair, where I kind of fall down a bit. So I read, I think I read five books last month, just very much like that. And then I didn't have anything else to read. There was nothing mm. ready. And so then I didn't read for a month. Yeah. Whereas ah. if I've got them ready, I literally am just like, okay, I, I know what I'm reading. And I normally pick out five or six books as the books I'm going to read in that order so that I know what I'm reading. And when That's I don't smart. have that, I struggle to kind of, I'm sort of there like, what do I, what am I reading next? I don't know what the answer is. Ah, and then I sit and do nothing. That's actually like a good point. I think it's also, be it for the podcast or just for pleasure, I do find I read quicker if I'm excited about the next book I'm yeah. going to read. Mm. Not that I'm not enjoying the one I'm reading, but I'm like, yeah. ooh, like once I finish this, then I get to start the yeah. next one. And it's like an exciting kind of yeah. journey. Whereas, yeah, I guess if I don't have something lined up, then there's not that that extra impetus isn't there to like yeah. to and I think the sense of achievement is very like it's very visual if you've got a pile of books in front of you and you're flipping them from like haven't read to have read and you're kind of watching the have read it's like it, it gives you that motivation to keep going whereas yeah. when I don't have the the books prepared in front of me I just kind of don't know what to do with myself yeah. I like going do, doing on my Goodreads, like on the app, like reading a chunk and then updating like what page number I'm oh, on yeah. and seeing seeing the uh, the percentage yeah. go up. That's yeah. extremely satisfying. It is a good feeling. It is yeah, so feeling. good. Like, look how much I did today. <laughs> and like, and all Even my followers can see that I'm really like, getting through this I read thirty percent of a book. <laughs> so I'm pretty good at my Goodreads and like keeping it up to date. But I, so I always think like I'm going to review every book, and I just. I, but I can't do it. Do you do you review your books? I don't feel like I don't know. I don't feel like I have enough to say on them. I, I I've never read a book in, like, recently that I've absolutely hated. So I don't feel like I want to review them. I just feel very much like I've enjoyed what I've read and I'm just ready to star it and move on. Like yeah, I just like to keep keep the thoughts to myself and then I don't know it's just weird I just... so you thought you'd come on a podcast <laughs> to talk like, well, about right a book that you like I feel like but writing a book with you it's like to write a book with you people on there sound like they know exactly like yeah what to say and I, I would not have said that I like, do I love like talking about books on Goodread are very like in depth sort of yeah, like that's what, you've written and, a small thesis you yeah. haven't just said really enjoyed it cool stuff yeah like, <laughs> especially when again like so many books that i've read in like recent months have been like heavy non-fiction books and then you go on there and people are like properly deconstructing them and i'm just like yeah i enjoyed it and i'm just gonna yeah, just gonna <laughs> yeah. Leave it. don't ruin it for yeah. yourself not every book needs an essay no. Um. Does do you get recommendations for books from Goodreads as well, or where do you where do you find the books that you? Um. I think read? it has definitely shown me books that I wanted to read that have been suggested to me. It tends to be a lot where, say, if I re- read a book by an author that I like, and then I go to their Goodreads, and I'm like, oh, and I want to read all their books, and then you can just add them on there, and then you see that it's like you t- you should read list is like a hundred books, and it's like. <laughs> next two years sorted then yeah <laughs> it yeah. is important to have a life plan yeah <laughs> where do you want to be it. in five years time <laughs> at the end of these books by this guy because i'm just keep thinking as long as i'm adding more books to there um, i can add books quicker than i can actually read them so I have to like put a bit of self-control to be like i can't read everything just yeah. pick the ones that you really want to read <laughs> yeah can you teach me that level of restraint because i not not only do i add things to my goodreads that's not my problem that would be fine because that's just like a hypothetical it lives on the internet it's not oh i go into every charity shop buy 25 physical books and then i've got one two three four four bookshelves currently plus some more books no five bookshelves and I've read like probably 25% of the books that I own and then I keep buying more then I'm like let's start a podcast where all of these people are going to tell me more books that I didn't buy that I now I'm going to buy and read and put off all the ones that I bought it's a it's a I'm in this is now a therapy podcast where I'm just (laughs) having a breakdown live on air entirely (laughs) we're not live honestly sorry Um, sorry I'm triggered (laughs) (laughs) yeah I and so yeah what you said about authors because I'm quite sort of if I like an author I will 
read everything similarly like I just want I love the style of writing I love how they write and I want to hear more for them, from them and I don't care if they've you've written plays poetry non-fiction fiction like I will read what they have written because I really like the author but we tend more to ask people if they're driven by genre than we do author hmm. so I just I thought it was interesting that you said that if you like an author you'll go and find out what they have read so is it about the writing style that you enjoy that they sort of drew you into something that you want to find out more of their more of how they write yeah I think because the one other two authors that come to mind with that would be Bernadine Neveristo who wrote Girl with Another that like everybody loved last year and then I've now wanted to go on and read all of her other books and I read Mr Loverman last year um, which was amazing. Like, it's so good. I mean, I would <laughs> argue it. that's better than Girl oh, yeah. Just everything Agreed. about it was just so. I just could not put it down. And then the other author that I've now read all of her books is Shimamanda Ngozi Adichie, mm-hmm. because I, that was the first book I read in lockdown was Purple Hibiscus, because my friend had lent it to me for lockdown. Because I, like, I have no books, and then she was like, "You can just borrow a few of mine." And then I read it and I was just like, I love this person's writing style. Yeah. So then I got Half a Yellow Sun and Americana and read them over quarantine as well. And then I just, like the way how she writes a story, I I just, I just love it. Because it's so plot heavy, which I prefer because I'm, I'm not an English lit student. So I'm not very good at like dissecting the like deeper meanings of things. I just like to read a really good story where a lot happens and everything like interlinks. Um, mm. so they're the two authors that come to mind and definitely that I'm just like I want to read everything that you've ever written yeah. <laughs> there's something about finding out what they, they're going to do next as well that I really like mm. so if I've read um, there's an author that I've read so I say I've read their whatever their last one was I kind there's a bit of me that's like what are you going to do next like where are you going to go like I just yeah I get dragged so into the world of what they could create in the same way that you might do with a musician you know you want to find out what they're going to do on the next album um and I I I get that same thing with authors Mm -hmm. that I really love like I just want to see what they could possibly create next where could they possibly go like what are their limits or you know there's something quite exciting about that Well, we're learning about you as a reader. <laughs> Listen, I started the season strong. I'm afraid, Beck, I need you to ask because I can't. You've had one episode. I started the season strong, she says. <laughs> like, I did. One episode. <laughs> one. I'm, I'm not, not sure confident. one is strong. I'm not confident. Okay. Beck, um, you have to ask. I have so to like. Alison ha- has found one person in the last however many people that likes hardbacks. Um, I did good in are- season one. <laughs> Are you are you going to make Alison's day, or are you going Definitely to be a sensible is. human and join my paperback team? That's a leading question, your, your Honor. I object. <laughs> what is your preference? I just I've never ever liked hardback books for many many reasons. Mm-hmm, there are so many reasons because, and I can't really give a like creative answer with that because first of all, they're more expensive, which is. I mean, this, yeah. I, I bought a book recently that I just really wanted to read, but it was only in hardback and I had to just go against my principles and just go for it anyway. And it's just so heavy and doesn't look right on my shelf. And I just don't like how... Because I like to order my books by colour, but then when they're hardback, they're obviously bigger. So it just creates a big problem by trying to organise your bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And to carry it anywhere, it's just the practicalities of it. I just can't get behind it. And I just... I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a very, very intelligent woman. <laughs> Um, you are so smug every time I just look people speak the truth I can't I can't help it she's right they are more expensive they are more cumbersome you can't put it in your bag it doesn't fit on your shelf and like all of these things are factually accurate so you know if I'm smug then that too is factually accurate you can't let me guess your facts don't care about my feelings (laughs) they never have Typical. Yeah. Well, Ooh. I will forgive you. Correct answer. Because Thank you're a nice you for... person. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> now let's let's move on to talking about your book. So I'm actually very interested when you said, you know, I really love like a heavy plot, like a really interesting story. I was like, oh, that tracks with the book that you've chosen today because this plot is insane. I know. Um, so, I mean, let's start talking about this. Do you want to just to, to start us off for listeners that maybe haven't read the book um just kind of tell us in your own words i never can say that without rolling my eyes at myself but uh tell us in your own words what how i live now is about um 
So it's, I mean, could you call it a dystopian novel? I think you could. Definitely. So it's I would. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a teen, young adult fiction, which is obviously always a very interesting thing to say about a book that is so just, I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> a bit mental. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a good way. And this American girl decides to come, well, is sent to London as a war starting and then spends a summer with her cousins, which in itself, what happens there is also something to unpack. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it just gets progressively worse and worse. Um, they're all separated and she has to go with the youngest cousin to like live with like an army family. And it's the whole thing of them trying to get back with their other cousins, like a big reunion story, trying to find your way home. And um, obviously it's like all the traumas that happen along the way and kind of written through the eyes of a young girl that's going through something obviously really traumatic, like conflict, and then how that kind of ends and what we learn at the end is like the big plot twist. Not twist, but you learn like the, when it was written and her perspective is looking back on it all. Um, and then it was made into a film. <laughs> That's a part of the plot. But <laughs> I just I always think about the film more than the book now. I don't know why, but it just always... Which way round did you do it? Did you read and then film or did you yeah. film and then read? I read the book. Film. I mean, I was 13 when I read the book as well. So I wasn't in year eight. And then the film came out and it was like, just started year nine, so I was still 13. How I got into the cinema, I'll never know. <laughs> how they yeah, I was going to say, how did this, how did this book fall into your lap? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm so interested because, like, I mean, without giving too much away, you do touch on. There's a lot of trauma. There is some definite. Um, I don't know how much I want to give away to listeners about some relationships. Of the relationships are interesting. They're interesting relationships. Yeah. There's yeah. things of a sexual nature that for a kid, like it's it's a pretty it's adult complex. book for a young adult yeah. thing. And I'm I'm curious because you read it first at age thirteen. Like, a as Beck asked, like, how did you come across it, and like, what was it like to read this as a thirteen year old? Because it's watching the film this week as well. It's really heavy, and yeah. it deals with some themes that like. I wouldn't feel like a 13-year-old yeah. brain is ready for. Yeah. But then, of course, I remember when I was 13, I thought I knew everything. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really curious to hear kind of your your story about this book. Um, well, I mean, I know that I'd heard about the film before I'd actually read the book because I'm a really big fan of Saoirse Ronan, the actress, obviously, because Irish and whatever. Um, and I've been watching just so many films that she'd been in and I'd seen that this was coming out and it just, I'd seen the trailer and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And then... I wanted to read the book and I just couldn't find it anywhere and that was at the age where like I didn't have an Amazon account and I couldn't like <laughs> buy books myself online so it was like in my like town like from going to all the different bookshops like do you have How I Live Now by um, Meg Rosoff and they were like no um, and then I think my mum managed to like find it for me when she was out shopping once and it was like just the best day ever finally be able to read the book um, <laughs> and then I went with my like friend at the time to the cinema to watch it and Looking back now, I don't remember feeling like really, you know, traumatized by the film, which is weird because, like you say, reading it now because I just read it yesterday to refresh my memory, and I was reading it like this is really, really like intense for a teen book because I feel like so much young adult fiction from when I was that age that I was reading it might have been dealing with like relationships and stuff like that that can sometimes feel quite intense, but not on the scale that this book is because it's it's happening in the context of war so you've got like the violence of it and then like just a, like a 15 year old trying to literally fend for survival whilst also you know just like i mean i know they touch on really again adult themes like the possibility that she has like an eating disorder and yeah. i think again at that age it did kind of wash over me a little bit but now i'm reading it, i'm like this girl is she's not okay <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, it's it's quite it gets quite graphic as well and play because that's why audio booked it and I just remember sometimes I'd be like listening along doing something else but listening along and I'd be like what did you just say (laughs) (laughs) and I'd have to sort of go back to make sure that I'd heard by it like that that's graphic and that took me by surprise and also some of those really intense moments do seem to take you by surprise a bit like there's just suddenly something 
yeah like the level of horrendous that has just happened you didn't think was going to happen from what was happening literally two seconds before and so when I was listening to it it really kept making me sort of jump a bit and have to like what like this is a young adult book right and like yeah it it throws at you quite a lot of complexities but in in really vivid ways as well it's not just sort of making you think about some of those complex issues it really puts them in front of your face and makes you look at them which is Mm. a hell of a lot for a 13 year old or like a well anyone but especially if you're reading it at 13. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the other thing that makes it almost I've just kind of thought of this now as you were talking about your experience with it is there are of course books that we read when we're young that deal with war or kind of these adult themes but most of the time they're set in a historic setting so there's that level of detachment like there's that level of this is a story this is another time whereas this I remember like just because it's very uh, it doesn't really tell you specifically anything about like time yeah like what sort of time but but then I'm like oh wait she's because immediately I'm thinking you're sent off from New York (laughs) to the cottage and this is clearly set in the olden days and then she's like oh I've got to check my email I'm like oh yeah or I've got to check my phone to see if anyone my dad's messaged me I'm like okay so this is modern and there's this war going on it's this weird sense of like this could be happening right now yeah that kind of puts you even more into it and like Beck says like you have to like face it because there's not that level of distance that yeah. you have thinking oh this is in the 40s so they're talking about World War II this is another time another place and there were no rules whereas this yeah. is like oh there could be that again it's kind of forcing you to think like this could happen tomorrow and it's it's I don't know it's it's pretty bloody intense for a tiny <laughs> little book it packs a yeah. punch yeah. because as well um, I also feel like with the fact that it's the fact that it is modern day is what makes it feel so just unsettling that if it was set in the in the past it just it would just be another novel about war but it's just the fact how you're reading about this kind of just everyday life these people are living in i mean for the most part as the book kind of progresses it's you realize that it's really not normal to have you know young kids or and teenagers living in a barn and just talking to animals and it it is a bit you know but then it's like it is just the fact that there is this completely you know normal life that's also going on at the same time like when they like go into the village and there's all these rumors and it just I mean this is why I think people have hailed the book as being so effective is because it's so believable that this could actually happen I mean the actual the story between the people themselves I think the fact that you know Edmund apparently have psychic powers and there's all that that is a bit you know and how they have like relationships with animals it that feels a bit kind of more fable like but then the actual story itself the way how they talk about the army and where they end up it it is very believable and reading it just yesterday and them describing the things that happen it really did remind me of the feeling of like last march before everything happened (laughs) Like, I, 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 I underline some of the things and it'll be like, you know, and then after Aunt Pen left, that's when things change. And this was a turning point And I'm like, that is, I know what this feels like. That moment of when there's something like a national crisis happening, you really remember, like, it's ingrained into your brain and memory of what, where you were and what you were doing. And yeah, just, it kind of has more of an impact on me now for that reason, more than anything else, because living through something that is such a dis- like disturbance to our everyday life and then reading it happen for someone else you're like I actually can relate to that feeling now it's like I like I keep saying you know I flew back from Berlin and everything was fine and then the world went insane <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that I must be in a coma there must have been yeah. some sort of accident on my way back from the airport to here and all of this madness is like I'm in a coma or something because that moment was so normal yeah. and then the next moment was so completely like there's there's no way of measuring it to anything I've ever experienced and you do you do hold those moments and it felt like that in the book that it was like 
la 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, and that thing of like there were there was inklings on the news. There yeah. was you know, and but it was happening far away, yeah. which is exactly yeah. how this happened, right? Like, oh, now there's now it's in America or now it's over here in Europe. Like the sense that something is coming. There's still this sense of calm though. Yeah, yeah. we're Everyone's still going about chill. our lives. Yeah. We're like, oh, maybe we'll have to socially distance for a minute. <laughs> You know, I was literally just saying the other day, so I'm an office manager in my other life. And um, when I go into the office, because I still have to occasionally go just to make sure it's still standing, it looks like everyone got up in the middle of like a fire drill and walked out thinking they would be right back. Everyone's like, you know, they're potted plants and their, you know, stuff is still on people's desks. And it's it's that same sort of feeling. I'm, I mean, obviously, it's not that just. Dis- it's not as disturbing like walking into an office, but it's it's that that thing of that they're going into these empty houses and seeing all these empty things. And it's like nobody expected, even though we saw it coming, it was just this kind of, oh, it's happening over there. It's happening over there. Suddenly it's here. Yeah. And now we're dealing with it. Lots of people are dying. We can't leave our homes yeah. like we can't travel anywhere. It's really like when I was reading it, I got that same feeling like, oh, gosh, this is if I had read this last year. Because I feel like you applied to be a guest right at the beginning when it was still kind of early days of the yeah. pandemic. And I know, Beck, you read it right away. Yeah. Because we had you we had you booked in. And so I'm wondering, too, like, Beck, do you remember, was this going on when you read it? It was like April. I was reading it in like April. Yeah. Um, so it probably didn't even land as much then because yeah. that was still early days. Yeah, yeah. And then I like took so long to get there and when I was reading it I actually thought like oh Beck read this and like she wouldn't necessarily have you know done this and then obviously you reading it yesterday having not read it in ages it it is interesting to see like how it must have landed so differently yeah oh completely because obviously again I think last time I read it I was like 17 um and then before that like when I was still in high school because I just I used to just read it as like a say a comfort book it's not very comforting but it was just a book that I really enjoyed to read and I don't yeah and I think it was because like it's not in terms of language it's not difficult to read it's obviously not an easy read emotionally um but it is one of those plots that once you start reading it you just completely like I just need to keep reading and I think one reason for that is because there's no speech marks and that is the one thing that I've always found very interesting because I don't particularly like the writing style but just because I really enjoy reading the book I don't absolutely love everything about it but that's those are the kinds of books that I think are the best because they actually stick with you for those reasons because you like I don't like that but I really like that and it makes you want to talk about it not just oh I absolutely loved it and then I'm going to move on like there's so many things in this book that I'm like this is really problematic why is it written like it's written by like a middle-aged woman in like Daisy like sounds like she's a middle-aged woman with how she kind of phrases things sometimes and just a bit like it's a bit weird but because it's just like a stream of consciousness I don't know it just you just can't stop reading it and you can't put it down and I think that has quite a powerful effect on the reader that if you get into it you just completely like I need to know what happens next yeah well it's written like you said that stream of consciousness it's like very conversational and you just you you immediately become kind of invested because you're really sitting in her head and you need to know what's going to happen. I actually wonder, Becky, because you said you listened to it. So mm. what was, so you would have then not seen like, I mean, I'm sure you've got a physical copy, so yeah. maybe you, you looked at it, but like all of the capitalization and the, the lack of, it's written like it's coming out of a maybe diary of a teen girl. It's like, there's a lot of capitalization on <laughs> things. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah, I can already see. Yeah, yeah I, I think it would have... <laughs> Two children um, against the world at an extreme time in history, all capitalised. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have annoyed me in, if I was... Re- like it, I it annoyed me, but in the way like, a teenage oh. girl is annoying. Yeah. So I was like, this this tracks. This, yeah. like, feel, you know... We were all teenage are, girls at one yeah. time. I was really annoyed. Yeah. But it's just, like, everything is impactful. Everything is now, like, this was exactly where we were, in all caps. Like, that's how I would, like, text a friend. So it does have that feeling of like, like I'm in it and I'm with her, even though she's not necessarily the most likable character. No. She's even less likable no. in the film, actually. Yeah. The film made her really, yeah. really unlikable. I, I did find that interesting, especially listening to it. And when you're listening to that stream of consciousness and you don't particularly like the person whose stream of consciousness you're in, it's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. So there were yeah. some moments and I was just like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Good God. And not because I wasn't enjoying, like exactly like you say, I wasn't not enjoying the story. The 
the story I was into but there were just bits uh, I just didn't particularly like her and I quite mm. liked that I was having that kind of dual experience yeah. of I'm really enjoying this story but this bloody kid is like driving me a bit mad yeah. at this point you know mm. and it, it's quite nice to have um just a bit of nuance in your experience mm-hmm. and not just to be like I loved absolutely everything it was amazing because yeah. almost not liking her sometimes but really liking the story kind of it made me like listen harder in yeah. a weird way like it yeah. made me sort of lean into it a bit more because I was like why am I not liking this person like what is it about this experience that is making me feel unsettled when yeah. I'm quite in- like I don't understand and it just it made it made me go a bit deeper I think in yeah. that way it made me explore it a bit more yeah it also kind of compels you if you don't if everything's likable then like you said it's an easy oh I really liked everything great nice reads enjoyable done but when there's this like frustration you're kind of not only want to keep reading to see what how frustrating it's going to get but also well surely there's going to be some character development here surely there's going to be some turning point or some thing that's that she's going to learn or grow and I'm curious to see what that journey is going to be whereas if everyone's perfect from minute one like what's compelling me to keep reading and it's funny because our last the last episode we did was on Rebecca which is a classic and one of the things we touched on is there's not a single likable character in that book it's so frustrating the whole way through like everyone is awful why is this a classic why do we love it so much and it is that like you're kind of screaming at the character the whole way like get yourself together like and in this case, similarly, like, it's not all about you. Like, have yeah. a little compassion yeah. and also eat. And, like, also yeah. some of her decisions. <laughs> it's I'm a just war. Like, eat. What are you doing? Like, what yeah. are these decisions? Like, I get that you're a teenage girl, but come <laughs> on. Like, the whole Edmund thing. I was just like, what are you? He's your yeah. cousin. Yeah. What the hell, kid? Yeah. You know, so, like, a lot of the time it was, like, the, her, the decisions she was making were annoying. Yeah. And the way that she was speaking to the younger cousins were, like, annoying. Like, it was just... And again, I get that actually for her age, you know, sort of teenage girls can be have that kind of annoying superiority about them mm-hmm. where they think they know everything and they yeah. think they have all the answers and they're not going to listen to anyone else just because. And that's Can't what relate. I was getting from her and I found that really frustrating. Yeah. But in the <laughs> sense of, yeah, the, I know I know this person. Like yeah. I can, yeah. I, I know this person exists. And I think it's with the context of how they're living it's just them in the middle of nowhere it's an interesting concept to kind of play out through writing because it's not entirely implausible that that would happen because obviously the mum is like this really important like peacekeeper person who just has to leave and obviously they're already quite used to fending for themselves with like the description of the house and it just sounds like chaos with like animals just are, like running around like goats in the kitchen and it it's just like, like this is just completely normal <laughs> Um, but like, I mean, obviously the, the relationship that develops and it's just like, what is happening here? And I'm not going to defend it, but they're living through a war and yeah. there's all these emotions that are running high. And, and a lot of at that age, people do silly things at that age. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it is a bit young. That's, that's my issue with it is that it's like 15 and 14. I think there's like a, a quote where she's like, she calls him like uncorruptible or something. I'm just like, this is not right. <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah. Um, but I just, it is like, Again, in a book, when would you ever have like this whole kind of disaster like thing happening? But within themselves as like a group, it just is so peaceful. But then within that, there's all these really intense relationships, yeah. and like it's all in the unspoken. I think that is one thing that I do really like is because there always has been this idea that like Edmund is like psychic, and obviously Isaac is even more quiet. Which then in the film is completely kind of different, and Isaac's character is just really like funny and yeah they do they do a lot of interesting changes in the film that i was like but it was okay but i was just like why Mm -hmm. did you completely change which character has which element but anyway because i I feel like they kind of had to do because i was thinking about this as well and all the characters just seem very quiet in the book like even daisy for what how kind of i don't know angsty she is she's not like overtly kind of bold and then edmund and isaac between them both just are so like kind of just muted and then piper's like a responsible like 30 year old but she's actually a nine-year-old <laughs> that i feel like in the film i, piper. I don't know how they would have because piper's quite annoying in the film i find it a bit annoying which i also find like that age of child can also be quite whiny but 
whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I guess I, you're right. It's hard seven to... Seven to 13 is the worst age of child. <laughs> it's just like, shut up. Yeah. Stop moaning about everything. Come back to me when you found yourself and then we can have a conversation. But that middle bit, I'm just ugh, yeah. very, very whiny. Yeah. But I think, I, I think, like you say, like there's so much, there's so much happening for one thing. Um, and they are children and making sense of the most basic stuff is hard when you're a kid. So making sense of a world which has just gone insane, there's no adults around yeah. to guide you or protect you or to give you any answers. And so they have to make sense of everything themselves. And so the way that they forge relationships are also built on need and protection and fear and all of that kind of stuff. So as much as it, like some of those relationships annoyed me, it, it does make sense in the context mm. of that book and that world they're in because they are alone. They have no one. They have no answers. They have no control. Yeah. And the only thing they have is each other. And it's like they tug onto that so much that it becomes mm. a bit warped. But, you know, they're kids. So, of course, mm. it's going to become a bit warped because they have no idea what the world yeah. is. Yeah. So it 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 makes sense um, given the context when you look at the whole thing mm-hmm. it's just like as individuals when you kind of break it down it's like what is happening here yeah. but they're kind of two different things especially with piper and daisy's relationship i think there's the whole like maternal thing that kind of happens there yeah and i mean i think their their relationship development is probably the most interesting in the whole book i would argue because yeah it's like obviously what happened to daisy and her mom and that kind of guilt i think she has her mom obviously had died in childbirth because of her and she has this kind of whole like resentment and yeah guilt because of it and then obviously piper has has a mum who isn't there for a time through no fault of her own but through a time where things are just going you know the world is ending and her mum can't be there that you know daisy's kind of just willing you know willingness to protect her when they're alone is a really kind of it's it's a nice development that we see and again in the, i mean not to keep comparing it to the film but I think Daisy can be quite a lot harsher to her in the film when she kind of is mm. like shouting at her and stuff. Like this girl is nine years old, probably like traumatised, but doesn't even realise it yet. Be a yeah. bit nicer to her. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it is like, it's such a wholesome point to the book in the midst of all the horrible stuff that's happening is that they have each other. And it's kind of like yeah. the one little bit of hope that and how you hear the descriptions of how Daisy looks after her and like will keep things from her if it's too traumatic to think about and then like when they when she finds like the food parcel in the lamb in barn when they finally get back to the house mm-hmm. and like she's like I really hope it's here because I just want Piper to eat and it's just like oh, it's just so wholesome yeah it's a I mean uh, there's a lot going on isn't there you know it's like <laughs> yeah. there's there's grief and there's tragedy and there's loss and there's abandonment and there's fear and there's war and there's love and kindness and care and you know this is a lot of a lot of stuff in a very short very small book (laughs) yeah it is such an interesting book and we talk about it it being quite adult for a young adult book we normally ask like who would you recommend this book to and why but as a extra question onto that like would you recommend this to a 13 year old now that you are no longer 13 Mm. um I mean I would but then I do feel like what you get more out of it when you're older because so many of the themes that are dealt with here are things that I think I you know I mean I could never really think imagine going through what they went through but just I don't know like the whole the whole dynamic of Especially, I just always think about Daisy because she's the central character and I was a teenage girl and she's the most relatable on that sense, even though she's really not. Um, that I think it's imp- it's also important to kind of not hide young people away from these themes, especially with everything that we're going through now that maybe books like this can kind of help young people to kind of get an idea of these themes, but in a, in a book that is kind of set within a, young adult context I don't know I think I think it depends on again if like let's say that young person was already very into reading and already hadn't you know a kind of backlog of books they'd read that dealt with similar themes I would say yeah 
But I think to just kind of give this to a 13 year old, like, oh, read this, it might be a bit like. <laughs> yeah. They might be like, why did you give me this? Yeah. Maybe start with Matilda and then work your way up <laughs> yeah. from there. Because yeah. um, I do feel like the whole cousin relationship thing, I mean, it, again, and I can't remember feeling really like shocked and, you know, disgusted at that when I was that age, but I just think it's because it's just there's so much other stuff going on that I was just reading all that and then I was like, oh yeah, and then she kind of weirdly falls in love with her cousin. Um, it's just like, okay. But that is probably the one part where I'm just a bit like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do I do feel like sometimes incest is unnecessary in a story. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes, sometimes that kind of I get why it's there. And then other times I'm like, did this need to be mm. here though? And I'm not, I think when I first realised that's what was happening in this, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. this needed to be here. Yeah. And and similarly I kind of feel like that's the one like there's a hell of a lot going on and mm-hmm. there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in this book but I feel like that was the one bit that I felt yeah. I could have done without like I'm not sure this added anything specifically no. for me and I definitely don't I think if I was reading it as a 13-year-old I think I even would have kind of skipped over it but I definitely wouldn't have been sat there thinking, oh, it's kind of exploring the notion of yeah. when there's a lot of trauma and yeah, tragedy in the exactly. world. Exactly. Like, to the people that yeah. are safer. You know, I like, I wouldn't have got that. So like, from a, even from a symbolic or a metaphorical yeah. point of view, I don't think it worked no. for no. me necessarily. It just made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And there were already enough things that made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But in a, in a different way, in that kind of like, I understand why they're making me feel uncomfortable because yeah. it's making a point about war or about yeah. whatever, loss, grief. But that, I was just like, I just feel a bit uncomfortable and I'm, I don't want these kids to have this relationship. <laughs> and they're really young and I just, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, the, the, I do agree. Rest, You're I such a prude, you, Beck. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I just, I'm totally yeah. joking. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that a good young adult book doesn't shy away from, shouldn't shy away from, uh, you know, the, the truth of the world. And there is a lot of tragedy and a lot of trauma in the world. And actually those tragedies and traumas tend to be a lot worse for people when they've had no experience yeah. of them at all and no way of, sort of introducing themselves to those concepts whether that's through art or films or literature or games or whatever the hell they're doing if everything is shiny and happy all the time Mm -hmm. and then I don't know there's a global pandemic and the world fucks up (laughs) then you're probably going to be a little bit more scared of the terrifying evil virus that's killing everyone outside whereas if you've had some introduction into the fact that the world is complicated it is complex it is hard it can be terrifying Mm -hmm. then it's going to be a little bit easier to deal with sometimes. Yeah. You know, and at the end, you can get world. through it. And you can get yeah. through it, yeah. You can and get you're through not it. alone. And yeah. you can still have love and you can still have laughter and you can still have, you know, friendship and people that are there for you. Yeah. It's not just yeah. all like dark, harrowing hell at your educational dinner table that is now your school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to see what quote you have chosen. Did you. I had to, my memory is terrible, so I, I actually underlined it and then folded the page out. Yeah, it was a quote about a wall, and I thought that for a 15-year-old to be saying it, I thought it was quite a heavy-hitting quote, and it's, um, if you haven't been in a war and are wondering how long it takes to get used to losing everything you think you need or love, I can tell you the answer is no time at all. Mm. That's, yeah. Because it's just That's like, nice. to be that age and like because i think before that she was saying like she she hugged piper and the dog or whatever and that like those were all the things that she had that to be that age and for her to have gone to a foreign country and then have to live through a war there you know that kind of thing i'm just like you just can't imagine even at this age like you know taking out the whole age factor it just is so it's just so sad like to just have to read that someone would go through that at that age and it just feels so hopeless Whew. well thank you for sharing this book with us <laughs> yeah. i i i mean i enjoyed it i really deal. enjoyed it and it, it wasn't um 
I had no idea. It just wasn't what I expected, which I think is why I kept being like, huh? (laughs) Because I I don't know what I had in my head. Well, the the synopsis is very ambiguous as well. Even reading the synopsis doesn't help you through it. Yeah, it doesn't give you a lot to work with. So I kind of was expecting... Like, just maybe a bit more of, like, a coming-of-age adventure thing, <laughs> like, in, like, a hard time. And I got something else, um, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. But it definitely, I think it's definitely more than more than most I've read recently literally made me keep stopping and, like, what? Yeah. Um, which I think is a sign of a good story that mm-hmm. it, you know, it makes you stop and think for a second, mm-hmm. even if what you're stopping and thinking is, what the hell? <laughs> um. <laughs> is there um, anywhere online people can find you if they want to? Yeah, my, I mean, my gosh, reads. I, I mainly just add very um, intense political texts on there that I've seen in one room. So if people if, if people want to sold. see that, um, I mean, it would just be my first name and last name. And I also have, like, all my favourite books on my, like, front page. And I might start, like, actually taking it really seriously and, like, recommending people books and, you know, I don't know. That's nice. that, that's my one. It's my pride and joy. My nice. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll link to it if, if yeah, you give us permission. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. I'm sold already. Yeah. Cool. That was really so fun. That was good. I also really two. like that like we I would never go out of my way to read a YA book as an adult. But we've done yeah. a few we've and I I really really enjoy we it. I've done a few. Same. And I've enjoyed like, everything. This is my new genre. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> I only read young adult fiction. <laughs> well, from now but, on. Um yeah, every every one we've done um, really enjoyed. I, I was, really liked, and I, I was really going to say, like, before this book slash episode, I would have said, "Yeah, like YA, I need to keep it light." But <laughs> this one doesn't do that at all. So, um, so YA yeah, I don't is think, not light. So, yeah, I think what we're thinking of is like children's like, books. Wait, like, wait, no. What about the YA um, <laughs> legend, Grinny, by Nicholas Fisk? <laughs> oh, Grinny, yeah. I mean, you know, gender equality and you're right. Got you're right. There were some intense themes. There. I mean, to be so, fair, that was a bit scary. It's yeah. like alien invasion. If you want something lighthearted, um, stick with Beatrix Potter and find out what Peter Rabbit is up to today, because some of his shenanigans are going to get crazy. Sage advice. If we've taught you anything on this podcast. <laughs> that is what we've taught you you have to get further and further and further back in the age category to get something chilled out so yeah if you um like what you're hearing and you feel like you're learning from these tidbits of wonderful information then please rate review listen subscribe to the podcast on whatever you're listening to it on that's the best way for other people to find a podcast and listen to the podcast yeah. and come on the podcast and uh it's weird because we have a lot of guests lined up and we're not used to this scenario so you can still apply to be a guest but just know you might not be on until season four or five at this rate but we'd of course yeah. still love to hear from you just i want to set the expectations uh accordingly um so you can the, the book, book pile, the tbr is staggeringly high <laughs> but we would we we're still open yeah. to adding to it uh, as you know that's my favorite thing to do so you can apply uh, at yaopod.com still uh, we would love to hear from you just know that it may be a while before we actually record and read um uh, but in the meantime you can catch up with us on instagram at yaopod on twitter at yaopod um you can also find us uh we have a facebook group uh, I think it's called the Your Own Words Podcast. You'll find us. We're there um, where we chat about things. And um, yeah, we'd love to to hang out with you in the virtual space, which is all anyone is doing anymore. And also, if you want to support us in another way, we do have a Patreon. We are on there. Uh, we're putting up kind of extra content. We're figuring out kind of more interesting ways to do it. You can get bookmarks and badges and all sorts of fun things. So check us out. Patreon.com slash yow pod anything slash yow pod you're more than likely going to find us but maybe not tiktok because we're too old the end
We should, our, our sign off should be the end. Dude, I've said that so many times. Have you? <laughs> I literally, I swear that, I swear down, that's what I said to you at the end of the first episode. I'm going to listen back to the tapes. <laughs> I, I literally said, like, oh, our sign off should be the end, like two seasons ago, but I'm glad that you're catching up to my And I vetoed thinking. it? That's, Probably. That's, Sounds like me. Such cool. a control freak. <laughs> Basically, three seasons in, we still don't know how to finish these things. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for reading along it's been it's been good times it's been great the end the end (laughs) keeping it your own words is hosted by allison dunnings and becky graham our theme music is by natasha pasternak if you like this podcast please subscribe rate and review on your favorite podcast app Read along with us at yowpod.com. <laughs> <laughs>